0: Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-Francois, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your field of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jessica Chaplow, Head of Digital Transformation at KR MediaCom. Having started her career in a pure digital marketing role, Jessica was inspired to make a leap in the world of AI, going to the extent of doing a master's in computer science, machine learning and natural language processing. Using her knowledge of both marketing and data science, Jessica now focuses on the role of cutting-edge technologies in digital marketing. She was also selected as one of Media Week's 30 under 30 in 2018 and nominated for the Women in 90's Young Leader of the Year Award in 2019. Hi Jessica! Hi Karen, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, I have to say that when I came across your profile, I was really, really impressed with everything you've achieved so far, and that made me really curious to to hear a bit more about yourself. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about who you are?
1: Yeah. um, Thanks. I mean, I still feel like there's definitely so much more out there to be achieved and and done. That's for sure. But um, in short, I I spent kind of the best part of 10 years growing up and, and traveling also across Southeast Asia. Um, I was born in Hong Kong. So I definitely feel like my perspective was, was broadened through being out there for so long. And then now I've come back and, and um, have been working in London for the last five years. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey in terms of just kind of being across those two different worlds, but definitely that's, been an interesting thing in terms of how I've applied that to how I work as well and um, so yeah that's a bit about me. <laughs> I think we've been
0: in London about the same amount of time for me six years now in London. How do you feel about the culture? Is it something that's very different
1: from where you were in Southeast Asia? Um Yeah definitely I think I was in Hong Kong and then Malaysia for a little bit so the one was more developed and then Malaysia was definitely a developing economy um London I in a way it's definitely I would say more cosmopolitan than Malaysia but at the same time there's so you know it goes for no surprise that there are so many cultures here that it kind of sometimes does feel like I'm not that far away in terms of like the Malaysian societies like a lot of my friends also are here um and just, you know, my, my first experience with technology was probably the joys of video conferencing my friends, you know, in, bearing in mind the seven hour time difference. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I definitely love kind of just that diversity in terms of my early on grow, growing up and kind of my working life.
0: Agreed. Um, I would say London is probably the, the best city to go to if you don't want to feel like a foreigner coming from abroad.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, my parents live in the countryside and I, we definitely have it better in terms of like the restaurants that that they're just so great. And I've, you know, I have so many different places that I go to where I really don't feel like I'm that far away from where I used to live um, in Southeast Asia. So it makes it a lot, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and work-wise, can you tell us who KR
0: Media Coma? Uh, what are your responsibilities over there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so KR MediaCom um, essentially sits within the um, the wider MediaCom agency. Obviously, we're part of Group M and WPP as well. Um, so as an advertising agency, um, KR and MediaCom basically united to form this like specialist division back in two thousand and nine. Um, and this is really kind of just to create that aim of combining specialist luxury sector knowledge, but also kind of the hands on media account management that. Um, That we're known for Um, but today we're a team of 25 and we sit within the main agency as well so I love to think that this is the best of both worlds because we're essentially have that kind of agility of almost like a startup as well in terms of like the the culture that we like to create um, at a micro level within the larger organization Um, but also being able to offer a really high level of service in terms of understanding like high net worth individuals and, and that kind of luxury portfolio um, of clients that we have and I think essentially you know we're going through such a speed of change which is only going to continue to increase so it's really about positioning ourselves as an agency but also helping our clients position themselves in the best possible way um internally I'm really responsible for all of the digital talent and training at KR that's to ensure that we you know continue to just um do our digital innovation and activation better day in and day out. And then externally, my role really focuses on helping to future-proof our clients, you know, just across across staying ahead of that, action, that innovation curve when it comes to activating media technology and insights. It's completely easier said than done, that goes without saying, but it's definitely a challenge that keeps me coming back into the office every single day to work with some industry-leading brands yeah it doesn't sound easy, trust me
0: <laughs> Do you have an example of projects you've worked on?
1: yeah so for me um i don't like to, I don't do them as much as I'd like to anymore, but the most recent one was really more of an experiment that I've been wanting to do for a while um, and it involved deploying sentiment analysis on customer reviews to understand how likely a customer would be to go out and recommend the product then um, I think there's something really powerful about you know knowing not just who the customer is but ultimately understanding how they feel um and i think that you know this that that type of project i was super passionate about because i think we're really continuing to see a trend um towards more emotionally intelligent marketing um and this is completely driven as well by you know marketing and data science like fusing together this is definitely my my favorite part uh in data analytics and data
0: science applied to marketing, really understanding who the customers are. You entered your career in a very unconventional role, mixing the knowledge of marketing, but also the knowledge of technology. What would you say were
1: the the advantages that you observed from this position? For me, it, it definitely was um, a case of just entering into such a specialized role, like going into an agency in to be you know, the most junior e-commerce person was, was not really heard of. In fact, someone did once ask me, how did you decide what you wanted to specialize in before you'd even started working? Um, I think they thought I was a little bit crazy for doing it, but I just, you know, my basis was, I knew what I didn't want to do. And I think there's a level of, you know, being open-minded, um, that when you go into a technology role or kind of trying to mix, marketing and technology that you that you just need to have and to to exercise and for for me that was really like the ability to challenge conventions as well and and I think starting out in that in that kind of e-commerce analyst role kind of helped me to challenge those conventions and think outside the box which is rarer than than we think in industry especially at the beginning of your career but it's really key um I think from a collaboration perspective, it really helped give me the ability as well to put myself in the shoes of different specialisms um, internally within our agency because there are so many different disciplines within um, agencies of, you know, really smart and great people. So being able to help really just engage with them on on a different level than just like that superficial kind of me talking at you really helped. Um, So I think communication and like you know data are the two areas that I was really comfortable with earlier on and I wouldn't necessarily have had that if I wasn't if I was in I would say more of a traditional role where it takes time for you to to learn those and um, it was definitely more of a um, more of a speedy and steep learning curve um, there's also I think the critical thinking element that goes into it as well I think you know Marketing and like the strategic side of things, where you essentially almost have to know how to create like a, a really solid, you know, argument or pitch. The pitch environment is one that I would say is massively helpful when connecting with technology um, in terms of working in an area like machine learning. If you, you know, encounter the many of the usual debates or questions centered around it, it really helps to be able to help, you know, construct a really solid argument on why you're doing what you're doing and also what it means for for the future as well. Um, personally, I get super excited about how, we, how and when we use data mining, because um, I think using it in the right way can really elevate marketing insights to become really integral, um, not just um, from an analysis point of view, but also to even the research and development of a product. For me, like, that's key to innovation, taking something and making its purpose far greater than what it was initially intended for.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess going into a client meeting with this kind of mindset of knowing, oh, I want to use uh, data mining, data science, et cetera, uh, in a project to make it better, it probably does make a difference in the conversation.
1: Yeah, completely. I think there's a level, you know, where you want to get into the weeds of something it's it's not good enough really sometimes to just to talk around things and I think this is an area where marketing sometimes has faced a little bit of backlash in terms of like the buzzwords with like terms being used interchangeably um I think that's another key one is like you know automation optimization and like AI like those get thrown around so much, and like they mean such different things. So, I think that for me is yeah, it's it's really integral to kind of just maintaining like a solid foundation of integrity, but also development for careers as well um, across all of the teams.
0: Going into computer science, machine learning, and natural language processing, what made you decide to to go down that route?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's two, there was like some, something that triggered me to go into machine learning probably and then something that triggered me to go into natural language processing because again it's like how do you choose how to navigate you know once you once you almost get a, an, an appetite for for what area you want to specialize in so I think what triggered my curiosity to get into ML was um, getting to go to an incredible event um, that was run by IBM and they were relaunching WebSphere Commerce, uh, I think it was, and another AI platform, which turned out to be Watson. Um, and I was, it was, you know, in a really insane conference out, I think about it. Our chief analytics officer couldn't go when they sent me six months into my new entry level job at the time, um, which could have gone horrendously wrong. Um, but, you know, they like flew, they flew me out there. It was just an insane experience where I was surrounded by so many like incredible engineers. And I think that was almost the crux of it was that they weren't, it wasn't just the usual sales teams um, that you get to, you know, to meet at every single conference you go to. It was the people who were really kind of building these incredible like tea leaf or like blue Mix, whatever, you know, platforms they had at the time. And, and the, you could see that their passion and also kind of just their sheer, technical skill as well Um, and I mean I can totally be honest I definitely drank the Kool-Aid when I went there it it was just that type of conference and they definitely it probably meant it was a successful one Um, and then when it comes to specializing in natural language processing I think just taking it back to way back when I was at school and I think this is also proof that you don't really realize how you know your past and things that you develop as you go shape you um, until you actually choose to make a big decision like specializing in something totally foreign was that I realized that you know I, before I was even interested in technology I loved English literature um, that was <laughs> I was a book geek um, I still am in, in some ways even though I don't read as much as I'd like mm. um, <laughs> but I definitely learned to appreciate like syntax semantics all of those you know like things that People probably think you're a total nerd for but just the overall impact of telling a great narrative um, and that is essentially you know a key element and ingredient of natural language processing so it seemed like a perfect way for me to apply a subject that has already sat in my comfort zone for many years with another area that completely transported me obviously out of my comfort zone because one of the most exciting components of natural language processing is its transformative power to really change how we communicate with the external world. Um, You know, person-to-machine interactions and vice versa are suddenly made possible due to NLP and that's, you know, no more proof than Amazon, Alexa, Siri or Google Assistant today. I love the the fact that something
0: that has followed you all your life and then you took it and put it together with something that was completely new and very
1: challenging. Yeah, I think to be honest, I probably used it as a bit of a crutch because I think it probably (laughs) gave me a little bit of that like false sense of security that you know i'm not doing something totally crazy if i just kind of retain that small little bit that i love um and and know inside and out with something totally different so yeah i think it mentally it was probably more of that kind of just reassurance for me
0: talking about um doing something absolutely crazy was there any moments when you were doing your masters where you thought oh my god this is crazy what am i doing
1: yeah, there was a few. We could probably do a whole podcast on just the challenges <laughs> alone. Um, that's for sure. And I mean, anyone that tells you any differently um, is definitely lying, especially working full time. I think to sum it up in six words, I'd probably just say like short-term pain, long-term gain is the you know the challenge um, and kind of my mentality for it. For me, the kind of the pain points and the challenges were in two areas i would say so studying while working full-time definitely and that maths was not a strong point for me it didn't come well i mean it didn't come as naturally i'd probably say um and those two areas alone you know definitely meant that the cards were stacked more against me i guess as opposed to feeling like i was just going to go in and this would be this would just be a kind of you know an, an easier process. Um, Studying while working first time, I think I chose to do mine um, through the Columbia Video Network um, so that I could use the US time zone basically to my advantage. I think that was something that I didn't actually spend that long considering whether time zones could be used to my advantage, but it definitely um, paid off. So I would definitely encourage Um, anyone thinking about it to consider something as small as that because it meant that I could finish work and then just jump on to kind of a morning afternoon lecture um, and you know not have to not have to try and contend with like doing it on my lunch break and that kind of thing that would have made it a lot more difficult I think essentially the way that I approached it also was just like thinking about it as more of a marathon as opposed to a sprint I used to actually I didn't mention this in my intro probably should have it would have made me sound more interesting but I did um competitive athletics for a while so oh wow I know just probably surprised now 800 meters and 1500 um meters were my events so I basically just approached my masters like that in terms of you know conditioning my body and mind gradually over time, um, you know, in a way that means I could have obviously had to run over longer distances. I would have to be running this master's for, it was about 18 months. Um, So that also helped me kind of just not get overwhelmed because it's so easy to kind of look at the whole syllabus, look at all of the modules and the the practicals and assignments and just think this is a complete, you know, it's not going to work when actually it's more about just taking a a deep breath and really just looking at how we can just pace myself over time. Um, so that would definitely kind of help me in terms of the studying side of things. When it came to not maths not coming so naturally, I think um, don't ignore it is one of one that I would probably say. Maths is really important for machine learning. So in in order to do things like select the right algorithm, which includes like giving considerations to the accuracy or like training time, model complexity all of those things and in terms of like the analogy of running a marathon i realized that kind of building my mathematical muscle as each week went by was was basically how i approached it and then gradually things started falling into place it was like things started to make sense different subfields started connecting with each other something strange happened and i actually enjoyed it um so i think that's kind of the you know the key to doing it really and i just think it's about not being afraid for things not to make sense because it feels like people were speaking a different language you know it felt like it probably wasn't going to work out and you, you really just have to keep pushing um is there is no shortcut or magic solution it's just you know um enthusiasm and like resilience combined um but it's it's completely worth it like don't get me wrong like, I, I don't regret it for a second
0: yeah, um, I've always studied mathematics. So from the from when I was a kid, it's always been, I'm going to do math. But it was more, I'm going to do math to be a math teacher. And um, even coming from a mathematics point of view, uh, some concepts from the machine learning side were quite tough. So it's very impressive that you you managed to actually go through it without having a a mathematics background. I I would say you're living proof that data science is a field that's attractive to people from various backgrounds, uh, especially nowadays, where uh, we talk a lot about AI, machine learning, um, data science, so it's very visible. And uh, people who maybe did not know about it before or never thought about a career in that direction would be considering it. But because it's so so varied in terms of who is there, uh, sometimes it could be difficult to to identify to to people you you have in front of you or to you, your managers or uh, directors etc. Um, and I want to say that many times I've heard people saying if you don't see yourself in the seat of anyone in your organization, it means that you're in the wrong organization. Do you think that's true?
1: Um no like i no i I don't think that's true at all i think really it's about you know like creating your own path um and not being again like kind of i said in the beginning like challenging the conventions around you um and that absolutely kind of starts with the, the role that you're in and essentially the job description as well i think sometimes the way that the the hiring process works is that we almost get wedded and judged by our job descriptions um in the beginning but essentially it's about following your own passion and and not letting not letting um your job description define you in that in that journey Um, you know find your own little niche of the world and what interests you because there will be opportunities in it Um, it's just a case of kind of looking at what that is for sure so
0: what, what would you say to, to people who are thinking of going from a completely different background and going into
1: data science? I would say, first of all, go for it. Don't overthink it. Just, yeah, don't get too hung up on being perfect at all aspects of data science is probably a key one. Um, I think you don't have to check every single box, um, especially in data science, which has such a broad scope. No one's going to be an expert in every. Field and you know an, an aspect of it so there's always going to be things that you don't understand or th- um or things that you can absolutely be doing better but just you know be confident in in the area that you want to put your energy and your your enthusiasm behind because that's ultimately what makes the big difference um, and secondary to that is you know don't be don't be kind of afraid of your different perspective as well. I think there's power in diversity and and diversity of thinking more importantly, you know, when I did my machine learning course, you have like chemistry students, marketers, um, you know, philosophy students all studying the same thing. So there are so many different routes in as well. I think don't be afraid don't be put off by kind of people feeling like they've got a better like pedigree because they've coded since they were six or like any of that stuff because it, there it really is like a, a wealth of perspectives when it comes to um comes to kind of studying the discipline and also working um in like a data science machine learning field um and those things definitely should be like celebrated and and um when you go into them um things like coding camps as well like if if that's an area of like weakness for you it's like, it's more about just kind of strengthening the areas um f- for me i guess three different ones like maths coding and communication that need to be strong or strengthened as you go throughout your course as well um make use of the different coding courses out there like open source um libraries as well those are really good at helping like train your models or also like helping you become more proficient. Um, and the communication side that I mentioned as well I think a real misconception is that the more technical something is the less like human it becomes and actually that's it should be the opposite so the more technical something becomes actually the more we need to retain the human element such as great communication
0: yeah that's really good advice and I particularly like the box ticking that's one I could definitely apply for myself (laughs) Thank you so much, Jessica, for
1: all your insights. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed kind of, yeah, getting to talk through all things data science and kind of life in general.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you would like to register to the community, all you need to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. It's free and easy. Please feel free to share the link with anyone you think would benefit from being part of the community. You can also follow us on social media, so LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you and have some feedback that will help us enhance the content and bring the guests you want to hear from. Have a great day.